the Bible Study Podcast, episode 31. Today, the Bible Study Podcast goes back to the story of Exodus, including the parting of the Red Sea and a whole lot of complaining. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today we go back to the book of Exodus, to chapter 13, as we pick up the story of Moses and the Israelites. When we left them last, they had been driven out of Egypt finally, after God had sent the Egyptians ten different plagues, finally culminating in the plague of the firstborn and Passover. And we're going to pick this up in chapter 13 of Exodus. When the Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. There's all sorts of jokes about why did the people of Israel spend so much time wandering in the desert because Moses was a man and didn't stop and ask for directions. But these verses deal with the real story there, which is they weren't ready to go in the promised land yet, and God knew it. They weren't ready to face opposition yet. They weren't ready. They would run back to Egypt. And so the beginning of the plan here is God is going to spend some time with them and get them ready Basically, he's going to take these slaves and turn them into a nation, but it's going to take a little time. He's guiding them by the hand. Every day when they get up, there's the visible presence of God with them. Not only has he brought them out of Egypt with clear signs that he wants them out, but he is also leading them daily, visibly, so that they know that they're with God. Picking up the story in chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to camp by the sea directly opposite baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh the king of Egypt so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. 
Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses his servant. Those last few verses seemed for me to sum up why this whole thing happens. Because God, in some sense, sets up the Egyptians. He puts his people right against the Red Sea so that the Egyptians will think that they're trapped. He doesn't just flee from them. He basically sets them up so that they will come after the Israelites and uses this to display his power to the Israelites so that in the end they fear the Lord and trust in Moses' servant, at least for a little bit. Because again, what God is doing is he's trying to take this people and make them a nation. And I notice that this time, in these set of verses, I think this is the first time in Exodus they're even called an army. But that's what God is intending to make, a nation and an army. Because he's going to send them into the promised land, and they're not yet ready. As we can see, the first time that they come here, the Egyptians come after them. They complain and they say, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt to die? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? And even though these verses end with this great statement of faith that now they believed God, now they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant, they spend chapter 15 singing, and then in chapter 16, they get right back to complaining. Chapter 16, they're complaining about not having enough food, and God sends them manna and quail. 
chapter 17, they're complaining about not having enough water, and God sends them water from a rock. Basically, this pattern keeps going on and on again, where they believe, and God does something wonderful. God is leading them by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, and yet they still stop believing. Yet they still start doubting, and yet they still don't remember. They don't say, God, we need food, when they don't have food. They say, they grumble. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Sounds a lot like this, aren't there enough graves in Egypt? One of the interesting things, and we won't get into the whole story of manna from heaven, but one of the interesting things about this story is, reading down in chapter 16, where God sends them manna, the instructions they get is, That evening quail came down and covered the camp, starting in verse 13. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one of you is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. Then the Israelites did as they were told, Some gathered much, some little, and when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning... Everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left, and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you were to gather it, but on the seventh, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. This is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. It's interesting to see in this part of the story that when they go out and they say, What is it? That is where we get the word manna from. Manna literally means, what is it? And again, in this story, we see that God is providing for his people. He's providing very practical daily food. He's providing enough for them, but not too much. Whether they gather too much or gather too little, they have enough. And they can't save it. Why can't they save it till tomorrow? Because God wants them to learn to rely on him every day. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, this is what they're getting. They're getting daily bread. They're not getting weekly bread. And it never lasts except when you gather on the sixth day. There's twice as much. And that's the only day that it doesn't spoil before the next day. And it comes six days a week, but not on the seventh. So God is, again, giving a very practical, real, daily reminder of who he is and whose they are. And he is guiding them and continuing to be with them and providing for them and leading them. 
This is not Moses who led them out of Egypt. This is God who led them out of Egypt. This is God who intends them to be a people. This is God who intends them to be an army. And with that, we'll wrap up this edition of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.